Hello weebs, doing old, and welcome back to Gateway to the Anniverse, the podcast that aims to guide anime novice to the weird, wide, and wonderful world of Japanese animation, amongst some other things. My name is Sam, a self-proclaimed anime expert, and with me as always is our novice, Will. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. We're going to talk about some anime eventually. Uh, thank you Sam for that wonderful opening. Do you find that you know exactly how long that opening is? Because I imagine it's, it's always, like you, you, you time it to perfection and I feel like you, you must know to the second how long it is. Honestly, it's like it very consistent and unlike today where I added, I threw something in to spice it up a bit and try and kind of like catch the listeners off guard. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's usually exactly the same amount of time. It's about, yeah just shy of 10 seconds like i know exactly 10 how, seconds like, wow that's quick that's really quick 10 seconds you've got to, you to reel it off go. man you've got to you've got to get the yeah. concept out there you've got to make sure people understand yeah. what you're about and I, unfortunately I, now I that guess, we're yeah. mixing it up you're like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, i've got i've got to throw in that new bit i've got to, and it's throwing everything out of whack here ah oh, it, it's yeah look mate you're a professional i like your work you're doing a good <laughs> job so you just you just keep doing what you're doing you know we'll all be fine over here um we'll just, we'll just aye, aye, go by your cues um okay yeah so we're going to talk about um some anime in a little bit uh but first now well we're going to think about something today i've got a question for you um judging from something that you told me earlier um are board games still fun are board games still relevant in today's absolutely not board games suck they're like for old people and like victorian children i'm going to play a game of backgammon (laughs) with my grandson today and then go to the park and hit a stick with a wheel no hit a stick with a wheel that would be interesting hit hit a a wheel with with a stick a wheel with a stick what are they called was it It wasn't a penny farthing wasn't it that was the bike bike. that it's a stick and hoop game like what what more detail do you need I don't know if it had a specific name. I don't think they were branding it's it. Probably in called shops. like Bibbly Bopsits <laughs> or something. Come, come to, come to Mulligan's sh- Shop of Fun and buy your stick and hoop game. It's <laughs> on, on sale All the now. Popular for kids are playing threepence. it. If you don't have this game, then you won't be popular at school. Buy it! Buy it now! You who urchin. was making stick and hoop games? Like you. Mu- I guess like a stick is fairly easy to find, but a hoop, you don't really find those in nature very often. You just got to craft it, mate. You just got to bring the blueprints, get your stick. Is it like bamboo? I've got so many questions about that hoop now. It's such a simple concept. Wasn't it a metal hoop? It was like a bit of wire. Metal, that's surely dangerous. You could cut yourself on it. What speeds do you think these hoops are traveling at? Yeah, but you've got to catch him. If you, like, if you're doing the spinny thing, you know when you've got the plastic hoops in the playground and you spin them yeah. uh-huh. and try and make them come back to you. You do that with a yeah. metal hoop, you are getting cut up. Look, we are like the same weapon. society that allowed under five year olds to play with Beyblades. Like, health and safety is a backthought in human design of toys. Yeah, this is true. This is true. This but is not why in the, in the Victorian games. era. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. We're getting off. I was being desperately trying to get everything back on track here, but you know, no, 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 that's fine. Why? What's going on in the Victorian era? Well, there was lots of headless children walking around because they people were odd jobbing their uh, uh, their hoops, their hoops across across the the playground, playground. (laughs) slicing people off at the neck. Um, Oh, we lost another one today. What game, sir? Was it the dreidels today, or was it the hoops? It was the hoops. Ah, those darn hoops. Carry on. Speaking of carrying on, uh, board games. Yeah, so are board games relevant? Um, yes, 
course they are. They're great. I went to a board game cafe recently with some friends and it was, um, um, an eye opener. I've been wanting to try it out for a while, never done it before. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, a lot of fun. First time in a board cafe, first time really, honestly, like what are people's experiences with board games nowadays? Like I think mm. they're quite hard to get into unless there's like a, a big hook or something like that. Like the classic example yeah, th- is Monopoly. Beyond I don't know that, whether like our experience speaks to most other people's but board games for me were always kind of um obligatory family fun time where oh what are we yeah, gonna see, do that's, on sunday for, for me that's alcohol to... yeah um, well now it's alcohol but when you're a kid it's like mom and dad are gonna drink a bottle of wine dad kicks your ass at cluedo like <laughs> nah we didn't have that i think i had cluedo and it never got out it never came out because no one would play with me no. I used to play. I played by myself. I was. I played all the all characters and made up my own stories. So that was fun. No, I, well, it was tragic childhood aside. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, <laughs> board games tended to be at least maybe ten, fifteen years ago were more of a everybody comes together as a family to just like play something mm. when there's not anything good on the TV because TV at that point Christmas time, didn't right? have yeah, yeah Christmas time family gatherings. I think board games. Like we said, Cluedo, Monopoly, Mousetrap, if you were fancy. Mm. Um, Remember Mousetrap, yeah. Were kind of like the, the communal time waster whilst you waited for the new episode of Doctor Who to come on or for uh, X Factor reruns. In, on, so what was your perception? Afternoon. What was your perception of board games as a kid? Like, did you enjoy that time? Did you did you thrive and love, love the board game experience? Yeah. I think if I didn't have such a competitive family, I would have liked it a lot better because dad always had to win. So he was always mm. going out of his way to shark us on deals. In Isn't that where like games like Monopoly come into play though? Because yeah. and, it's, and this not, is where, a, like, it's a not a winning a, game. A you, meme. It's all luck. For, I guess, people our age, at least, I mean, that I've noticed a lot through the 2010s was that um, everybody hates Monopoly and families break apart over Monopoly. Um, the fact that second somebody suggests a game, you've got the person who wants to win, who's all like super into it. And then the people who are like, oh no, it's going to get violent. And in our yeah. house, it always got violent because <laughs> deals went down. You land on the wrong square. Like the luck doesn't go in your favor. And yeah. The I luck think- never goes in my favor. I mm. hate Monopoly with a passion. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it. I don't derive enjoyment from that. But it wasn't until I kind of got a bit older, like almost university age, where I started to find other board games, not just mm. the ones that there big are board other game board are, games out there. Yeah, yeah, it's not just the big popular ones that you see on TV. So. I think that's what people don't really realize. They see like Monopoly as a board game, and then beyond that, they see like obscure ones maybe in the shops, but they don't really. I, I'm speaking from my own experience. I never really saw it as like a something you could just go and do with friends and like there were a whole like worlds you could play out and mm. the, the depth and breadth of, of the board game industry. I never really saw us. I thought I saw, I saw it as like a has been like people who play board games were uh, holding on to something from, from the past. Like it wasn't a modern thing. Um, mm. And, and I think, you know, like I say, I went to a board game cafe and I think in recent years and things where, where, where my um, eyes have been open to this, a lot, a lot of it through you and through your own, um, your, your game plays and stuff. Um, it's, it's become very clear that that's not the case, but so like being exposed to all these sort of new innovative ways to play board games and all of the different types and styles mm. when you've got like, 
I don't, I can't, I can't list the strategy, the, the, the types of games, but there's things like strategy and. Yeah, you've got um, like strategy or, or, games, you've got deck building games, you've got slight role playing games, you've got uh, improvising games now. There's competitive, there's co op board games. And this was a big eye open to me when I first went to board game cafes. Um, and I also had a friend um, during my time at uni who was really big into different types of board games. Um, mm. And these collaborative and cooperative games i didn't realize you could have board games where you're not trying to be the winner against right, a group yeah. of friends like there was a a really interesting um deck building game uh, and a deck building game is where you pull cards from a core pack and then you upgrade your your deck of cards to get better and it's all about resource management and making it more effective and for people who like watching numbers get bigger and like that's a really great type of game to play and it's it's collaborative in some cases and you and your friend are trying to build the best decks to be like just a mechanism of the game like a boss figure and yeah board game cafes open up this entire new perspective on it because not only are you getting exposure to these type of games and there are thousands of different types but yeah you're getting i guess the tricky part is you're getting access to all these different types of games, but you've got to learn each game each time. And that's kind of like that's a barrier the barrier to entry, and, right? Yeah. So um, I think for me, yeah, that that's sort of like the, yeah, the barrier for entry is, is the, is the right phrase to use because going to a, ba- a game cafe, a, ba- a, a, bame ca- a, a bame, a bame, a bame, a bame, a bame, a game cafe, a game buffet, a buffet game. Yeah. Um, you, you, you're presented with a thousand different board game options and, we went and we played the Isle of Cats because Ooh. it had cats on the uh, on the on the board game, and it was a really attractive looking game. I th- a setting makes such a big difference, you know. Yeah, like it attracts so many people. Often, Especially a lot of these games like, get such like beautiful artwork, like commissioned mm-hmm. by these really high profile artists, and and the individual either game pieces or the cards that you use often look incredible because you have to stand out now because the market is so saturated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think it also shows that like they're willing to invest and put time into their to their product. So you hope that it's going to be at least a good mechanic and a good game mm. because of that. Um, at least from a layman point of view, from my perspective, I'm thinking like if it looks nice, you've won me over to a certain extent because I, yeah. I, I've, you've you've got me thinking that this is going to be at least well thought out um, and time has been spent on it. So um, yeah, we played the Isle of Cats and it took us we we booked a two hour slot. Not long enough for a game cafe game. This this game was supposed to be sixty to ninety minutes. Apparently, it mm. took us about half an hour um, to figure out the rules, and we started playing too soon, and then <laughs> realized that we weren't playing right and had to restart. Uh. And um, because there was like there was like a quick uh, a quick game rule set, right? Um, so I was following that to begin with, and then we had question, and it was it was going very quickly, and we were like. I looked through the rule book. I was like, oh no, this is just like the quick version that we can play. Um, yeah, a quick start set of rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there was like a ton more rules, which made it a lot more fun and made it a lot more engaging and sort of um, tactical. But uh, yeah, it meant that we ate into our time quite a bit. So we ended up like rushing the last few rounds. Um, but like to do that every time with every new game, like um, mm. me and Lucy came back and played Villainous. Um, which is the oh, yeah, marvelous, and it's it, very interesting. I found it very interesting the game because you you play as a different villain, and each villain has a different way of winning the game. So you have to okay. you, your your 
objective you have a set of objectives that you need to accomplish and everyone has different ones and the way they interact with each other is really good like you say with a card with where you're building from a card deck yeah it's a similar similar setup like you're drawing your own cards from Mm. your pile and and they will be specific to you but there's other decks that interact with each other and you can you the different villains have different abilities to interact with other players and in different ways so it's quite a, a I I don't know whether it's unique. I don't know whether it's it's probably there's probably loads of stuff out there like it. Um, but from my experience, it was quite a new way of playing. Yeah, and because again, it's it's different we, from your typical setup of here's a track that you have to go around, and things yeah. will happen as you move along the track, and the first person to the end or the first person to hit a win condition is the yeah. winner. With these newer games, even the idea of what a board game can be and can do is completely different. Like you're saying, you're you're playing as yeah. There's, however many different unique villains each with their own specialized rule set to try and hit a victory condition and all of that is but the learning the curve time. there is quite high like you have to you have to spend time learning each character's got its own booklet like there's no central board each character has their own board and Ooh. you you play on that and you know there's counters and things that, there's lots of different elements to it and again people who've played this and are played lots of games probably think Pfft, that's, that's amateur compared to some of the some of the stuff that people are playing. But for me, it was quite advanced, and for Lucy, it was. And the pro- the thing was, I bought this a year ago, maybe. Okay. Never took. I I got it out, started learning it, started getting to grips with it, but it was just too complex to sort of engage other people in it. I was like, this is too intimidating to just throw out on a party night and just be like, guys, we're going to play this. It's a, it's a because big, so much learning involved. Uh, another. A- bit of a big meme comes from i don't know if you've heard of a content creator called pro zd um he does no. lots he's a, a korean content creator who is also a voice actor but he also creates a lot of content around board games and a lot of the skits right. that he makes uh he used to make them on vine and now on tiktok involve yeah, yeah. like him trying to explain the rules of games to people who've never played it before and for mm, and that sounds fun. kind of similar to your experience where like if you've gotten into it and you understand the systems, trying to then explain that to an outsider at the start mm. of a game is, is yet another hurdle to overcome, right? Because they have to like now listen to you explain myriads of rules. If it isn't something yeah. that's quite simple to grasp and just start playing and you'll pick it up along the way, that's another hurdle that can keep a lot of really great games gated to people especially because it's not seen as kind of the current pastime like i think i think a part of it is also it's people's perceptions of games absolutely because i think that whole process can be daunting and intimidating and not feel like fun like you think oh half my time is going to be spent reading rules and trying to get to grips with this game why would i want to do that that sounds that's not a game to me that's not fun and I think Tedious. that's part of the problem. Like, me, so me and Lucy have gone through this, and with with, the, with this particular game, we are now confident, and we we will play as different characters, and we can mix and match it a bit. That is now fun, but to get there, it was quite a slog to yeah. sort of like, and we we got a few games wrong to start with. It's like, oh, we're coming back to it, and we'll play it the second time. We're like, actually, I don't think we could have done that last time. Or actually, I think I can do this. And it's like, well. I don't know. It's that learning curve, and and I think that it's that experience that mm. 
you either get on board with or you don't. Like, do you think some people just like, even, even when they've got through that, like, cause even now I'm thinking, how many times am I going to be able to play this with like, we've played it probably five or six times over the, over the past few days and we've enjoyed it each time. It's good, but it is losing its magic. And I think we need to play it with new people. I think we need to expand yeah. out of the two of us and play it with other, other people to sort of really see it as full. And force. I think that's a limitation of board games compared to the new national pastime, which is video games, is that with a video game, right. there's very clearly defined um, rules that, that they have to kind of get you to grips with in the first like five, 10 minutes. And then it's a new challenge each time. There's maybe a narrative it's evolving. It's changing. It's different. It's like, Oh, new sparkly keys, like to keep the, the, the player engaged. Whereas mm. with a board game, you could argue that even though, um, the game might play out differently each time because it's so constrained to being a physical board and pieces and cards, it can start to feel samey, which is when exactly like you said, bringing in new players right, or yeah. um, yeah. another something to, or a new expansion, or a, an upgrade to the game, which includes new rules and new features or new characters are ways that these games kind of try to prolong themselves. Um, alternatively, I think some of the more popular board games are the ones where no two games play out the same way. So, Games like that that stick out in my mind are things like Ticket to Ride, uh, uh, Settlers of Catan, and um, Car- uh, Carcassonne. These are games where it's all about uh, building something. No idea. No idea. <laughs> well, well, Ticket to Ride is you have to build the longest and most profitable railways across either the world or parts of Europe or parts of America. Okay. Yes. I think I saw that. I think I see that. Very, online. very yeah, fun game. In the because every time you play, you don't know which tracks you're going to try and build. You don't know how the players are going to interact with you. So the game changes each time. And it's kind of a battle of wits with Carcassonne. It's all yeah. about trying to play the long game and having a long-term strategy and possessing as much land and points as possible with Settlers of Catan. It's a resource management game where one game you might go all in on trying to um, have the biggest army versus uh, having the most wheat, for example. And that kind of strategy and competitive side of things keep those games interesting, yeah. even though... Strategy games in general, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess. Things aren't... The rules aren't changing and the pieces aren't changing, but the way you're using them is different every time. Versus something like Monopoly, where it's it can feel quite repetitive because it's like, okay, I'm going to go around the board and the board's not changing and I just buy the yeah, same yeah. properties and that's, whatever. You have very little control, don't mm. you? And, and that's, what, that's, what I, that's what I don't like about Monopoly is... Is, is that I always seem, I, first of all, I always seem to lose. I'm rubbish <laughs> at the game, uh, apparently. But I, I put it mostly down to just luck and chance, like whatever you land on. Um, you could, most people, like, as far as I can tell, most people buy what they land on. Mm. Like, especially, like, like you, you land on it, you buy it. Now you pay me money. I'm sure there is Great. strategy to Monopoly, but, anyway, but I can't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Some people will claim the strategy, but again, if you get rubbish rolls every time, you ain't winning. Um, so yeah, there was, there was one that I was, I was looking at different types of board games online to try and, um, find something that me and Lucy could play beyond, uh, villainous. Um, and 
there was one that I found that looks really fun and it has the same sort of built in mechanism that you're talking about where it changes every time you play it. And I can't remember the name of it. You'll probably know it when I describe it, but it's like an escape room and you pull tiles and build each, oh, each time. Is it? You, you add something on and it is might be like the haunting of something. Or it's, it's like it's a haunted house game. Yeah. yeah I know, I know the one yeah. you're talking about. People are probably screaming it as they're listening. Haunted house board game. Oh, it's come up as soon as the I start typing in the haunting home. of Hill uh, House. Betrayal, betrayal at house on the hill. House on the hill. That's the one. Yeah, I love that game. So it could be that one. I can't actually remember the name of it, but there is another one called Betrayal. Oh no, it's the same one, just a different yeah. box. And then there's another one called the Haunted Haunted that, House. That is the the, yeah. the one, and it's exactly like you say. There's like a, there's a booklet where depending on your yeah, this is it. I've just looked. I've just opened yes, it up. depending yeah. on the the role at the start. There's over I think over thirty different ways that a player can be the the betrayer. The um, the the monster yes so it's better when you play it with more than a few people yeah obviously. you can't just play it and, and again this is a, a, another but, um, collaborative game like all the people who aren't the betrayer have to work together to defeat them and the layout of the house changes each time depending on what panels you draw yes the the scenario yeah. and the the win conditions change every time you play as well like this was one of the after monopoly gate in our fa- in our family uh, this was one of the first games that i reintroduced mm. when we were a bit older um to my mum and dad and mm. dad be- became the betrayer was and he started off hating it and then when the betrayer was revealed and he had to then he got his own special set of rules to try and mess up everybody else's <laughs> game he loved it and he was like oh this is brilliant and yeah, then he, yeah. obviously he won because he min maxed everything about it and he was like that was really fun i want to play this again so now it's like a, a christmas treat mm. to roll out betrayal yeah okay cool there we go um so yeah, I think so. Going back to our overarching overarching question, yeah. um, which is, are board games still relevant? Um, there's definitely a place for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Um, and I think what what board games are doing now is they're really trying to target mainstream because that's where the money is. They're tra- tra- trying to target mainstream um, communities and people outside of, of of the board gaming world. Like like Villainous got me into it because it's big. Marvel, yeah. very attractive box. Using that pop culture got a Disney version as well. Yeah, play, and I'm assuming I, I don't know how like communism works, but I'm <laughs> assuming they would have had to like get permission from Marvel to be and able to do that's communism, is it? Um, <laughs> not communism. Capitalism. What did I mean? Capitalism. <laughs> Capitalism. Those are very similar words for, for things oh, so that are very, opposite. very different. <laughs> no yeah like those kind of board games will 100 yeah. percent come off of the marvel as a, as a general company versus the film divisions and licensed board games and licensed properties are what print the most money nowadays like you see psych the hedgehog mm. lego like the super mario bros movie got licensed out to illumination um D is doing a one-off with the legend of zelda um with critical role oh, wow okay. and like to get back to the core question, like you said, the relevancy of board games is now not only in a board and a game that you play on it, but it's expanding out to tabletop RPGs. It's expanding out to Warhammer. It's expanding out to card right, games. Yeah. I think the place that you showed me um, that you guys went to is very much uh, any mm. kind of game that you play on a table is welcome here. And I think having those mm. places in a community where you can come and you can just experience these kinds of games 
is really good for the industry and for people in general, like to just get off their phones, stop playing games, stop looking at blue lights and just to actually play something in a more physical and tangible way. Because I think that that kind of play, whether as an adult or as a kid, that hands-on actual physicality is very important developmentally. And so, you know, socially Mm. as well, like um, it's the whole social aspect. And I think that's what's, I think that's what some people fail to see when when you talk about board games it's like i don't want to play a board game that sounds boring because they're focusing on the game but it's not necessarily the game is um a mechanism to use that term loosely is a mechanism for the social interaction you can get from playing with friends and people that you even that you don't know and just have that sort of um yeah that 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 stimulus um on a social level um and it can be really engaging. And I think what board games now are doing, they are making themselves relevant by linking them to mm. the modern... The pop um, culture giants. You know, franchises and pop culture stuff, yeah. Um, but also adapting the games to make them more... Have have more longevity moving forward, where they you can... More replayability, yep. shall we say. Um, and yeah, so I, th- I think the, the board game market is thriving to be honest i think if it, are they still relevant yeah i think they're probably more relevant than they've been for a long mm. long time probably more than ever when you think about the market and how oversaturated it is like you were saying you know monopolies you know you go back 50 years or whatever people may have there might have been a monopoly board in every household but there wasn't a monopoly board and 10 other board games that people have bought them mm. for christmas um so i think i think yeah board games very relevant and doing a good job at trying to keep them absolutely couldn't add anything else to what you said there. I think we're almost in a board game renaissance. It's back, baby. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll have to do some uh, virtual board games, Sam. Um, Shall we move on? Okay, well, this week I have brought you another new anime because, you know, that's our bread and butter here. Yeah. Anime. This... Uh, Weird Japanese cartoon that has made our lives so interesting and full of full of, full of joy, joy and, and wonder and unabound teenage horniness, as we are going to talk about today with our Absolutely. anime Urusei Yatsura, uh, which roughly translates as annoying people. Does yes. it really? I can I, I can't imagine nah. why. I cannot I cannot for the life of me place why they would call this heartfelt <laughs> show this, this um, seminal romance uh after annoying yeah. people come on will tell me what's going on in these first three episodes what is urusei yatsura for the people who maybe haven't experienced it at home um i should clarify just before you do this is the newer 2022 version of urusei yatsura not the original 80s manga or the anime that followed up after that this is the new version by david productions who are also known for doing jojo yeah. Brilliant. Um, so what happens is we have a main character whose name is... Ataru. Ataru. Thank you. Did not get that down. Um, Ataru. And Ataru is a boy of high school age, middle school age, 15. Yep. I think he's like 15, 16. He's yep. pretty young. Yep. And he's our protagonist and he is chosen by some <laughs> alien 17, race. Apparently. What? Oh, he's 17. 17. There we go. 17. Blimey. Okay. Um, 
He should know better. Um, so the se- <laughs> he should know so much 17- better. <laughs> he is 17 years old and he is chosen by an alien race to represent Earth in the battle for Earth against yes. the ali- King Alien's daughter in a game of tag. Yep. And he this wins is- this game of tag. <laughs> this is all a big pun on the fact that in, in Japan, the game of tag is called Oni, which is uh, like demon. And Oni in oh. Japanese folklore have the little horns, like Lum has and her dad has. So the whole thing is a big, awful pun. <laughs> okay. Well, that ruins the whole show for me. Thank you, Sam. You're very um, welcome. Yeah. Um, he wins the game attack. He has to grab her horns and does it in a way that we will get to, I'm sure. Um, and then, and then it's about. And then he get, and then he gets married to. No, he doesn't get married, but he kind of gets engaged. married. I, I think he I becomes think engaged, engaged to said daughter. Mm. Uh, he doesn't want to be, so it's a forced marriage, um, because the daughter can electrocute and fly. And yes, he, basically he's he, he then he then starts a life in a abusive household where his wife. Doesn't be. allow him to, do, to 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 leave the marriage, and he's in love with a girl from school. Yep, with Shinobu, who's very interested in him, and 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 seems to, but always seems to. She she always gets disappointed by him because he leers and looks at other people. Yep, and then a new boy shows up, and there's a a, a, a not a triangle. Like a four-way love yeah, like a love square, square is going on. A love square going on, and there's lots of hijinks and comedic, supposedly comedic moments, um, which are, are, are trying to tell this story of this boy who is one that that we have missed out is that he's very unlucky. He has yes, he was born under an unlucky star. And like yeah. there was a black cat in the delivery room, or and then an yeah, earthquake on, on the same the day on Friday the thirteenth. So he is the most unlucky person in this he, universe. He is un- unluckiness incarnate. I think, yes, is that yeah, and um, bad luck incarnate. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a very bizarre show that I don't feel like I've done that justice in describing what happens in these first three. But you will understand if you've seen the show. Um, mm. If you haven't, go watch it. Come back and listen to what we think because it, it, it is a bizarre thing to describe. Lots yes. happens in the first three episodes that's just sort of like blown to the side. Like, yeah, okay, this is happening. Yeah, okay, this is happening. Right, we're in. We're here. This is what's going on. So, um, it's very fast paced in its delivery yeah. in the first three episodes. And exactly like you said, there's a lot of very bizarre situations that the characters find themselves in, and um, the 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 comedy part of the romance stories because it's a comedy romance uh mm. themed show um is very much the focus of these first few lots of like mile a minute gags lots of physical um slapstick stuff some interesting uh social situations that pan out to try and like land a joke at the end of it and all coming together to kind of set up this eccentric cast of characters all interacting and generally being annoying people, terrible people, just the worst kind of the name of, of the show, I guess. You can um, meet, yeah. So, shall we start with uh, Atadu then? 
if we're thinking about so now that we've want... kind of got a bit of an idea of how the show progresses um let's talk mm. about the characters so ataru our 17 year old protagonist what do you think of him as our kind of point of view guy that we're following not a good guy no, he's not, not a, a good, good guy, guy at all. <laughs> like, he's a bad dude he is a bad dude and it's played off in typical anime fashion as just a leery teen um but it, it's just Boys it's just honestly i'm just yeah i'm just done with like all this i don't want to be i, I, I genuinely don't want to just be like <coughs> coming off as woke or anything like that around like i think you can still make jokes around um horny teens and that sort of thing like there's a lot of western media you look at like sex education and shows mm. like that that do a wonderful job of portraying the the difficulties of of adolescence yeah um but it just feels cheap here like it's just every girl that walks past he leers at he there's lots of references to groping and 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 sort of um violating people's uh, bodies and it's just not tastefully done and i just think yeah it's done for cheap laughs and and ju- done to put um, attractive drawings of, of of scantily clad women on on the screen, and it's like yep. that's not what that, that's not good media anymore. Like that's that just feels weak. It's very like, much. I a don't product mind of its time, you, isn't it? It's it's very much product the, of its time. It was made last year. It was made last year, but again, it's based on an. A manga from don't the care. 70s, don't 80s. care. You've chosen. I don't care. And, uh, and I get like, that. Look, I'm, I'm just here to like play a little bit of devil's advocate here and just kind of like to, to call out. And I'm not. If you remake it's... the Dan Busters, you are not. You are not naming characters certain things. You change things, <laughs> right? If you're going to remake Blazing Saddles, well, you just don't remake Blazing Saddles, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, like here for now. I'm, I'm again. I'm not advocating for this i'm not supporting this because i agree with you i think that the way that um the male gaze is used in this and the way that um Atari's attitude towards women in general is yeah. piggish it's it's not something yeah. that should be supported and the way that it uses that for comedy often misses the mark especially in today's culture now when this came out originally japan was still going through that very almost and arguably to this day, to a degree, this conservative attitude of, well, you act like you need to act, you, you stay in line, you don't act out, you suppress everything, all the urges. And this is kind of like a, well, what if there was a character that didn't give a shit and here's Ataru and he is just following his penis wherever it may lead him. And yeah, that's why it was so I popular mean- amongst young boys who in this time in the 80s as the bubble is about to explode and the economy is about to be in shambles and they are forced to go to school, to go to an office that they have to work in forever, this rebellious and lecherous and kind of flying by the seat of his pants guy creates this sense of humour about things that they're not supposed to laugh about. They're like, oh yeah, I like boobs and this guy likes boobs. That's relatable and hilarious at this time. Obviously we would hope society has moved forward from that now and you can do it in a more nuanced way. It's not about that, dude. I don't want to put that societal spin on it because... And and, and this is it. Like It's just not funny. I, and I agree. There's no joke. I don't... Th- I think if the, if your punchline is ha 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 sexy lady, that isn't funny. That's not comedy. That's just... No. Okay, let's just go to base instinct and hope that somebody laughs out of awkwardness yeah. or horniness. Yeah. But... 
I can see from a magazine point of view why they would keep pushing this um, style of story out because age old adage doesn't matter what country sex sells and so to have this yeah, scantily yeah, clad yeah. leopard bikinied woman doesn't mean we have to like it on the cover you don't have to like it and we can criticize it until we're blue in the face but mm. the numbers don't lie and the fact that it got a remake yeah. and is such a cultural touchstone here like again not saying i agree with it i think that comedy can be done in better ways but that's why we now have a 2022 remake of an 80s show there's enough of a following there and it's yeah that's fair yeah okay so let's let's talk so we'll put that to one side um it's a it's a cd show that uh has a lot of cheap opportunities to make to us ogle um, and yeah whatever and that is a lot of it like it that is. is a high percentage of the show so like i want to just put a pin in that let's try and move on to other things um let's talk about the comedy outside of that okay for me, the first two episodes, I watched I watched this twice. I watched the first three episodes twice mm. because I watched it last week. And honestly, the first two episodes I thought were pretty dry. I thought that episode three, there were some good comedic moments. And I, I found the funniest out of the three. I agree with there you. There were some bits when the, when the new character was introduced. I didn't get his name. Mendo. The guy that parachutes down. Mendo, when Mendo parachutes down. He almost um, like he's like he's coming into the show to save it from itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um and then there's all like uh, there's a, there's like um a, a sub- substitution jitsu that that jutsu that uh, that comes into it. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, he uses like the, like a log comes in. He's like, "Wait, what? How did he do that?" Yeah, well in the dub they actually say substitution jitsu. Oh. Um because uh, he's throwing his glove at because he's trying to challenge uh, Atteru to try and challenge to him, right? And he just moves out of the way and hops around, and that's really funny. I found that really good. Um, and he's like, "You can't just move out of the way." He's like, "Haha, I can." Yeah, but what if I do? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like, there's this funny one-liners. There's a bit when um, Atteru is uh, gnawing on the desk, yeah. and um, Mendo just comes in. He's like, "You can't gnaw on desks." <laughs> I, it's rude to know on their their dynamic is brilliant because it is just like yeah. he is so far above this level of like peasantry mm. let's call it yeah and and no matter how hard he tries he is just always drawn into Ataru's bullshit yeah. every single time yeah. without fail like like you said yeah. like him throwing the gloves the the student council election where everybody realizes oh yeah. if this guy gets in like we're doomed we've got to choose a, a, yeah. a people's champion and he get like they both win and he's like sitting there like yeah no! and after he's like just like picking yeah. the wax out of his ear like oh great okay i guess <laughs> but my my favorite yeah. joke comes from mendo and it's when they go into the caves together and the second yeah. the lights go out he starts screaming and wailing and the japanese voice only if there. the girls aren't there. yeah only if the girls aren't there but then after he starts like putting his hands in front of him and the girls don't realize that it's him but he's just like ah, ah i'm so scared well they're put they yeah they're putting they're putting he's putting his i think he's putting his hands in front of the girls eyes oh if, yes if the if girls, the girls aren't him. watching yeah yeah if the if the girls aren't watching then he gets really scared and so obviously he does that and then the girls can't see who's screaming <laughs> so it's like what is this but it's just so funny because he's just like 
Huh. Yeah, it just huh? keeps doing it off huh. on, like light huh? switch. <laughs> oh, it's so yeah. good. And that was funny. Um, and it, and that was all in episode three. Mm. So like the first two, I, th- I thought the middle episode was filler. Um, like it, it's, 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 it's what, what, what's the expression you use where like it starts and ends the same? Um, oh, the status quo like, doesn't like within, change at all. It's just like, yeah, yeah. Like with anime movies where like you have to reset yeah. to, like to make sure that like nothing has changed by the end of it. Like, and, and this is, 100%. Yeah, yeah. it feels like that because they, um, the, the whole thing is around like him. Well, it, it leads to what, it's quite a lot that happens in every episode. It is fair. going to mind. The main thing is like, um, Ataru putting on the, uh, the ribbons that prevent, uh, Lum from using her powers. Her powers. Yeah. She, yeah. Look, what is it? Lum. Lum. No, what's her name? Lum. Mm. Of course. Um, that prevent Lum from using her powers, and then like him deciding that that's not the best course of action and uh, taking them yeah, off. Look, again. he made a terrible decision, um, and her being mad. Who could imagine that yeah. Ataru would make a terrible decision? <laughs> yeah, but when you look about it logically, like he has been electrocuted yeah. and beaten up and like treated very, very poorly by someone he doesn't want to be in a relationship with, and has expressed so many a time, yeah. and yet and is she, forced to be because in this relationship. she has the one the time he. <laughs> He he's desperate. He's desperate, and he, he he tries to find something that is going to make his life a little bit more bearable. And then it works out. It works out that he's the bad guy for suppressing her powers, and then um, she punishes him again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, look at it how you. Look, there, there are no there. good characters here. Every single person in this show, in some way, yeah. is a terrible person. Even it. Even the girl that he likes, yeah, Shinobu. like she's portrayed as quite a, the first two episodes, she's, she's like potentially the more normal, mm, the more she's sort like the of grounded character. character. But yeah, although she does overreact, no, not overreact. That's the wrong word, but she definitely like jumps to conclusions every single mm. time. Like he'll look at a girl and he'll think, she, and she'll say, you're having an affair. Like she thinks she'll see, um, Lum forcing him into a hug yeah. and be like you're cheating on me it's all about her it's like no like can you not see i'm like, restrained like don't, don't there's a whole here. bit where they're on the phone and he's like just ignore her pretend she, that, that lum isn't there and like like i'll tell you my true feelings like let's go shinobu baby and then, like he goes out and he braves the storm yeah. and then right at the end of it after yeah, this big, yeah. like show of affection gets electrocuted she comes up yeah, and, yeah. and shocks him and then she's like how could you i'm like yeah i mean Where's yeah. your comprehension skills? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then, um, but then even even after all that, like that was like her her sort of uh, subtle um, negative parts of her character. But then, like as soon as Mendo turns yeah, up, she's just, she's just like, "Yeah, Mendo's I'm hot." I'm falling over this yeah. guy now. This guy is my new boyfriend. This this, this is my guy. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then the love just square. trying to manipulate the situation. Everyone just wants to be with different people. That whole cave scene is very funny, but very also like as soon as they plan to turn the lights out and to go off with the couple, you kind of know like, where it's going. How go. long until? <laughs> how, yeah, you know exactly where it's going to go. How long until Atero and Mendo are just um, are just hugging each other, and it's all all hilarious. Um, and sure enough, that's what happens. As it, as it has to be. So, in the show's defense. There are some yeah. good bits. There are some funny moments. There's comedy to be that had. I here. did enjoy. And the, the, the best mm. comedy of the show comes when it's focusing on silly situations and silly interactions rather than 
ha 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 boobs. Like that's that's when it does exactly. the best, yeah. I think. Like there's a bit is it in episode two where uh, they meet Sakura. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the priest woman, and she's like, "You are the most cursed person I have ever seen." <laughs> yeah, and she's there like, rec- especially in the dub. I have no idea what they do in the sub, but she's reciting takeaway menus when she's doing her chanting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, "Oh, the chicken she fried rice," and, and, and just like doing all these takeaway, yeah, noodles and all, all these different things. It's like, okay, that's um, quite funny. Um, just seeing her getting progressively more bogged down with Ataru's curses is also very funny. And then yeah. like a, a surprisingly well animated yeah. scene of all the different types of curses that are yeah. on him. And I think the animation wise, I I like like the, the, I, I liked a lot of the um, quirky sort of comic book style shots where like things were happening and they cut to different characters and like the, when when people were like observing or embarrassed or a bit sort of taken aback they had the they grayed them out and put like white dots on mm. them and that, that was quite a nice sort of contrast to the main characters that were speaking in the foreground yeah i thought director directorially if that's a word let's make it one directorially there yeah, sure um it was really really nice really uh aesthetically and i think aesthetic is um, the exact right way to describe it because like you said like if a character is out of focus or isn't like involved in the scene it does they, they do look like a cutout and if it was done in in some un, other anime for example like if you're doing a background scene and all the cast are just like poorly drawn people then that could like almost take you out of it a bit but because this show is so larger than life and kind of focused on being this big expressive and over the top show to have the NPCs in the background looking like actual cardboard cutouts works in the show's favor. I think the character designs yeah. are really good. I think I love the way. Yeah. I think I like it's in the opening. There's a, there's a moment where Ataru is like walking and he's got his hands like that. And he just looks like a proper, almost like pink Panther esque guy. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> nice, like yeah. they're, they're simple enough. Yeah. But like I say a lot with character designs, if you silhouetted them, you could tell, which one's Mendo, which one's Atharu, which one's Lum, which one's Shinobu. And I think the simplicity works in its favour and allows the animation to be more expressive with these characters in these mm-hmm. heightened scenes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So big tick for the animation. It's a, it's an attractive show to watch. Um, are there, is, has the um, producers, the director, whatever, um, is there anything else that we've watched that's similar? Have you got like a list of what where they're sort of because i i i a lot of the animation early on i was thinking uh, it reminds me of sort of kaijo um it reminds good old kaijo uh kaijo vacuum butt cannon go yeah um so that it's by david productions who are known for jojo's bizarre adventure which we've not got around to yet but are very like that is again another super hyper stylized uh show they also did um cells mm. at work they did fire force um and they've gone on to do a b- bunch of um netflix shows like spriggan and something that david productions is always quite, quite well known for is their production value so they bring in really good animators their, their sound design often in um 
David Production shows is very strong. Fire Force in particular has a really... Did we watch Fire Force? Ooh, no. that needs to be added to the list because that is shonen at its most sparky. So they're, they're known <laughs> for putting the, the effort into production to make it kind of a more impactful experience and to see them going from larger-than-life shonen to larger-than-life rom-com, all of their talents kind of yeah. work into it to build upon the source material rather than detract from it. Like, obviously, they use very bright colours for everything. Everything is popping off the screen yeah. almost in a pop arty esque style and the backgrounds will shift to being these kind of patterned backgrounds when a character's talking about certain um, things. Yeah. And yeah, like, they're just... Cool. They're consistent, basically. Yeah, okay, good. Cool. Um, all right, let's uh, just talk about, like, the concept as a whole because... I, I was kind of disappointed the way this show went from the word go. And that's only because of my love for things like Dr. Stone, because as soon as those aliens <laughs> started coming over at the beginning of episode one, I was thinking, Oh, okay, here we go. We're going to get, we're going to get some, uh, we're going to get some big events that like changes the world as we know it. And then our characters are going to have to dun, deal dun, with that dun. in some way. And then it turned um, into a rom-com and. <laughs> Yeah, then it turned into a rom-com. Um, and I, on some level, I appreciate them trying to mix things up. But at the same time, if I'm going in, I, again, like you don't really, people don't generally watch stuff like this in this format, the way mm. we do. So it's a bit unfair of me to criticize. Like you'll go into the show probably knowing it's a rom-com, knowing that it's funny. Um, especially something that's from the eighties and has probably already got, you know, grips in people's, Mm. psyche around like what what the show is um but for me going in completely blind it is kind of frustrating to go in with this like opening of this really surreal situation and then just have it brought back down to earth and completely shift mm. tones and i guess that i can't really criticize the show for that because that's not how people consume media yeah. generally uh going in completely blind but it, it does make me look back and think, is that necessary? Is that funny? Like, does it add anything to the show? Apart from presenting the fact that this woman is superpowered, I guess, and that she can like mm. shock and do those things. Like, is that is that how they got there? They were like, right, we want it to be a rom-com, but we want one of the characters to be superpowered. How can we get her to be superpowered? Well, maybe she's an alien. How is she an alien? Well, maybe they battle for the planet at the beginning but let's not make it too serious so maybe that's turn it into a game of tag rather than an actual like battle thing yeah i think i because i went into this knowing very very little about urusei yasura um i knew of the character of lum i'd seen her design a few times on the internet and um just whilst i, what can I, I bet what, you have well, hey, well i shan't say where i saw them on the internet um <laughs> but yeah it's just I, I, I went into it thinking, okay, it's probably going to be some sort of romance because here's like here are the, what the main two characters look like, and so to see that she was an alien and not like a demon or not like some just regular character was a big surprise. And I think that subversion in the first episode, I don't know if it works because, mm. like, having finished the run as it is so far, we're getting a season two um next year but knowing where the show goes the alien aesthetic works for the show 
in hindsight, but looking at just the first three, it is a lot. And they just throw everything mm. at the wall and just hope that something sticks. Like you can see it in yeah. the way that they, they lean hard okay. into that alien tag game. And then by the end of the second episode, they're like, okay, this isn't working as well as maybe we thought. So let's bring in a super rich guy and just mm. have a, a completely new dynamic. And in as non-spoilery terms as possible, it seems like whenever the show starts to get stale with a joke or an idea, the solution is bring in a new character and then just have people react off of that character mm. and swap out who's reacting to that person. Right. Like we see Sakura is introduced. We have Cherry, who we've not talked about at all because he's a weird little bold monk guy who causes more problems than he solves. Yeah. Ataru's parents are there yeah, and yeah. they are the worst parents ever. <laughs> like, yeah, it seems like as... The, the author was writing this originally the editorial staff was saying okay we need either another character that looks good that we can start making merchandise of or we need a new dynamic let's bring in a character who's like this or a character who's like that and it just it's it's like they don't have confidence in their own writing yeah they're just they're using gimmicks and stuff to sort of carry the show and you know like you say new characters and stuff rather than trusting in the rom-com yeah formula, instead of allowing the relationship to is build prove it's kind of just like, let's just keep just throwing roadblocks in the way to artificially mm, yeah. inflate the amount of time that it takes for these two to actually kind of have a moment of understanding if they want that at all because yeah, we have to get yeah. back to that point yeah. of Lum is in, Atharu is not because he's a scumbag and where does that leave us? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously I can't comment on anything past the first three but it... it I could easily see that's the way it's going to go and and just prolong that satisfying conclusion that you want with Ataru getting together with who? Not Lum. The other one. Or maybe with Lum. Maybe, maybe with Lum. Maybe, maybe they find, yeah, like you say, maybe common they find um, time. some uh, common ground um, and it all becomes hunky-dory. But yeah, okay, so... Where do we want to do? We want to leave leave it there. I think. I think we've said probably as much yeah. as we possibly can. I think can. it's one of those shows um, that you should go and watch it. Three. And if it gets you in those first three episodes, then carry on with it. See if you get something out of it. But if you watch it and you're maybe a bit more like Will, um, and it didn't kind of hook you, then you know nothing lost. Just leave it the wayside as as, as an interesting experiment. Or an interesting revival, I guess, from the eighties. Mm. Um, something I listened to recently, just to, before we move along, uh, that is very relevant to the structure of how we do this podcast, um, is yeah, um, a, an anime producer from Studio Orange said, "Okay, so when we mm. look at making shows and when we release the shows, we look at the feedback of the first three episodes." And then we decide how we're going to progress with like a lot of the remainder of the show. So the three episode rule isn't just right. a fan thing. Actual production committees yeah. think about this when they're releasing episodes. So the first three episodes, they will put as much effort in as possible to keep the audience hooked when it's airing weekly and then build out mm. from there. And so you th that's when I think... For the way that we, but that can work to their exactly. disadvantage, can't it? If you try and cram too much in, if you try and 
Like here, it feels like they've tried to get that plot going as quickly as possible. Bish bash bosh with the alien invasion. And you know what? There's, there is a, there's a sense of, um, like, uh, bounce to it and, and, uh, you know, lightheartedness and, 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 uh, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. We're not going to spend ages on this alien invasion and draw it out. Like it's, it's supposed to be quick and punchy and just be like, Hey, look, this is happening. Oh, and now it's, it's quirky. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, but at the same time, you are, ju- you are doing that primarily. Just your main goal is to get through all of, show people exactly what the show is about and, and try and, and, and showcase it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's hard to do perfectly and i think here they've missed the mark mm. um to a certain degree and potentially moving forward they need to have more confidence in their writing and the power of rom-coms because mm. you know everybody loves a rom-com like some of the best running shows ever have uh, have been rom-coms films and stuff like i mean friends is typically yeah. a rom-com and that's one of the biggest marketable shows ever made in western media and i think it done well it absolutely can be phenomenal um here maybe not so much but potentially they're just cutting a yeah. few corners yeah all right well maybe go give it a watch uh if, if if you're interested in this sort of thing and you've liked like if and we've intrigued you enough uh i may watch a couple more just mm-hmm. to see how it develops um based on what you've said it'd be interesting to see uh what happens but i'm not going to invest all my time into just getting through this i don't think it doesn't it hasn't really helped me enough fair play um, yeah sure Okay, everybody, welcome back to Slice of Life, the final segment of our podcast where we catch up with each other and we just check out what we've been up to over the past couple of weeks for us this time around because uh, we took a bit of a break uh, last week, as you may have noticed. Um, mm. So, uh, Will, yeah, what have you been yeah. up to? Aside from board game cafe. <clears throat> Aside from board game cafes. <laughs> Uh, what have I been up to? I've been, I've been, um, I've been really busy. I've had a bit of time to sort of catch up on some bit. I started a new book series. I, I, it's, it's, um, it's called Cherub. Cherub. Hang on. And is that like the young adult? Yeah. The, the, the kids who are like activated as agents or something. Yeah. That goes for like 50 volumes or whatever. You know it. Yeah, I don't know how it's many long, how many dude. volumes. I'm on book three at the minute. Actually, I'm on book two because I read book three oh. first um, and then went back in true me fashion. Uh, I, I basically, me and Lucy went to the uh, bookstore and I was looking at new series to join to, to start reading. I've started a lot of like adult fiction recently, and you know sometimes you just need something a little easy to just. To, I'm going to gonna throw it out there. So, I think and, young, and young adult, adult I think is gr- most yeah. times is more interesting than adult fiction because it's it's it scratches that shonen itch in my brain where it's like the hero's going to come and yeah, save yeah, day yeah. and it's maybe going to be a little bit violent and there's going to be a couple yeah. of cuss words but at the end of the day you know you're going to get a nice yeah. rounded story arc it's going to be a little bit edgy but it's not going to be anything that's going to make me go like, it's not going to be like the girl with the dragon tattoo, which is going to make me hate my life for the next, like, three months and thinking about all the terrible things that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's, it's not too deep. Uh, I think, Although, to be fair, some of it can be. Like, you look at, like, Hunger Games and Divergent and stuff like that. They um, they can be quite 
big mm. messages, big deep messages. Um, but they're done in a, in a way that makes it accessible and it's not like overbearing with, you know, adult metaphors. I think the big thing with, yeah, with those young, uh, young, young adult, uh, fiction stories, like you were saying, like with Hunger Games and Divergent, like there is depth, but there's only depth there if you want to dig into it. You can read it as a completely surface level story, yeah, a simple yeah, yeah. arc. But if you yeah. want to go into like the nitty gritty of it, you can. Whereas with adult books, you kind of almost have to get yeah. into the deeper meanings and the deeper levels for the story to make sense or for the story to actually land. So yeah, what's going on with Cherub then? What, what, what's the the vibe? How, how are you finding it so far? I mean, you've read three books, so um, I'm I I, I come I, I I swing between like really enjoying it and then thinking is this actually any good um i, I don't I'm, I'm listening to them on audible uh so audible if you want to sponsor then please do um we, we are um yeah we're open open to At advertising at any, any given stage, moment please just if we can monetize this we yeah um, <laughs> we can we will but, um, so yeah I've, I've been listening on audible because i had um i had some credits and like I say, I went in, I found a series that sounded intriguing. So it's based on everything that I wanted as a kid, like this spy, um, this, this teenage boy, or he's a young teenage boy, like 12, 13. Um, and he, he's, it has some yeah. dark stuff in it. Like it says on the, on the front cover, like this is not for kids. But it's in like the big bold font. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a it's sticker like a, and it's like the, an official oh, stamp. Oh, kids are going to want to want to read this. Because like a top secret. It. It's like the top secret you used to get yeah. on like uh, <laughs> notebooks and stuff. It's like, I, I, <laughs> I'm like, okay, right. But to be honest, some of the stuff in there, I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't for kids. Like spoilers, the third book. Um, well, okay, so so not necessarily the third book. All the way throughout, there's things oh. about drugs. There's things about like the people get shot. That like his in the first in the first book, his mum dies um, through drinking herself I... to death. Um, him and his sister become orphans, and that's how they recruit. They're recruited to Cherub. Okay. Um, like their uncle is abusive there the the whole first mission is about a drug cartel that they uh, that they're going to release anthrax into a political venue for oil, oil. tycoons like they're, they're, they're anthrax, basically political um, people oil, yeah, oil tycoons <laughs> at this there. conference Jesus. this global conference they're going to release anthrax and they're investigating it and like they, there's animal cruelty in book one like they there's some kids that are pretty brutal towards them uh, animals like there's some concepts in there and and you know that it was written in the late the series started oh, really? i think in the late 90s and there's definitely some like language yeah i think so i think the oh. first book came out in the late 90s um and i think um there's definitely some references that i'm like eh, can't really say that anymore there's some ho homophobic uh. language used like thrown thrown in shade towards from from less from from not nice characters so it's not necessarily promoting it but the way the main characters respond is a little sort of like probably couldn't get away with writing like yeah. that now um and you know there's references to um uh racism and stuff like that uh, very very not not a lot a lot but like an occasional reference here or there what are you looking at 2004 I mean, okay, you know, so like 2000s. things weren't oh, great in the early 2000s. 
<laughs> things aren't great now. It's 20 years. Yeah. Exactly. No, it's 20 years, isn't it? Um, so I'm really on the fence about what I think about the series in general. Like I found it fun and I found some of the conclusions, like the first, I've, I've finished the first and third book. And the third book was like, huh, what an interesting way to do that. Um, because it's anticlimactic to a fault. Like it is, huh, we've, uh, we've arrested these guys, right? The okay, good. That's it. Yep. And they even comment on it. The main, the main character well, is like, it's not like in the films. It's not like a big shootout and explosions and all this. We've arrested, we've arrested the bad guys and that's the and end of the like, mission. Ah, but yeah, but okay, there's then. the extra layer you see um, because it's now, oh, we've just handed it off to the, uh, yeah. to the authorities to deal with. And is, are they going to process it in the right way? Or is it like, is this what we should be doing? Mm, if I want to read into it then. But like the, a lot of it is very, the, the author seems to have gone above and beyond to try and make it realistic for a, book series about recruiting orphans to be part of a children's ci a, a mi5 basically for mm. a children's sector so like when they talk about anthrax there's loads <laughs> of stuff around um what will actually happen to your body and like the um the the the, re- the real life um <coughs> problems with anthrax and that it lingers and stays in in in, in an area for for hundreds of years and, and doesn't need to be to have a host to be and that's why it's so deadly and why it's so people use it and there's you know he gets he gets and they think he's got anthrax so he gets rushed off to hospital and there's all this scene where like he's told that he has anthrax and then they have to like inject him with all of these fluids and he's ill for like weeks oh. and he's vomiting and they have to basically poison his system to kill any chance and then there's still only a 50 percent chance that he might live like it's dark stuff like it goes into a lot of a lot of detail and the case files are very detailed they go into like the backgrounds and the real life implication it's it's a really bizarre tone for something that's ya and aimed like the main character is 12 13 like if the main character was 16 17 might be a bit different and that's where he'll end up but like just some of the the tone and and some of the like yeah they're definitely targeting a certain audience and it's of its time because there's a lot around like the main character is very obsessed with the girls in 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 cherub and like talks about like oh i want this girl on the job because she's she's because yeah. <laughs> she's, she's fit, fit. <laughs> like oh, I, want, I want her to come on this job i want to spend more time with her um i don't know I'm very undecided. I don't want to commit either way because I imagine there are a lot of people out there that have read this and thought, God, you know, this but, is Yeah, but not at the same time, uh, he made 17 a- books. So, <laughs> like, it's got to have been <laughs> yeah, popular yeah, enough, yeah, right? Yeah. And again, sometimes you just need that kind of media that you can just kind of switch yeah. your brain off to and enjoy. So I think if, if you're getting something out of it, then why not see it out? See how it goes. Apparently, yeah. he's also done a new series called Robin Hood. And the first book is called Hacking Heists and Flaming Arrows. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing it's like a oh, contemporary cool. Robin Hood story pretty, pretty fun. rather than... Because the hacking, I can't yeah, imagine yeah. that happening back in the uh, early thousands. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, what have you been up to, Sam? Enough about... Uh, no, I, 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 got I really enjoyed that. it. Like, but, it's um, a series that I could probably... I, I, there's a few... Um, copies of it where i work so i might pick it up and give it a go Mm. Uh, but for me i have been um even more so absorbed by zelda tears the kingdom um 
I think we probably spoke about it a little bit last time, ah, but yes. I have continued to be playing. And I've only done one of the main story missions. Um, this game is going to take me forever to finish. Um, it's incredible. I've built some yeah. truly weird... I, I, I actually, actually have. Explore. Like The map, the general map, is the same as uh, Breath of the Wild. But the depths, which I've been exploring more recently, yeah. is just the entire map duplicated underneath. I say duplicated. It's the same area, but it's completely different. Yeah. And it's dark. It's pitch black. So you have to bring mm. your own resources to light the place up and whatever. Yes. Um, and again, it's just amazing. I've built some really yeah. weird stuff. I've solved puzzles in shrines in the most... Yeah, I've yeah heard people have like built Gundams and, and Macross yeah. robots, and it's just incredible. Um, yeah, no, it's I, it's probably going to be the main thing that I'm doing for the next uh, significant chunk of my life. Probably until I come back to England. That's I'll so probably cool. still be playing it when I'm coming back yeah. uh, this summer. Um, the only other exciting <laughs> thing that I've really... Yeah, yes, well, that's the beauty of a portable device. Switch, uh, my favourite thing in the world. Uh, the only other thing that I've really been up to mm. is um, I went into town recently and i bought some new nippers for my gunpla um so the little um oh nice snippy yes. things i think um they are a complete ripoff i was i, I when i built that i was yeah. just using scissors um and it worked just fine just, just a pair of kitchen scissors yeah no i and i spent they'll be dismissing um, scissors it was just, they <laughs> work. What's the problem? problem? It, Why do you need nippers? I went on the Gumpla website and there was nippers there for like 60 quid. I'm like, why Why is, and there's a pair like for like Fiverr as well. I'm like, come I on. Spent, like, how is that worth 12 times the cost of that pair? I, I, I don't know what the current Which is how rate much? is, but they were the, one of the most expensive ones there. Ballpark, I would Roughly, say ballpark. maybe thirty quid. And how do you justify? Uh, because the first pair of nippers I bought were a thousand yen. Um, oh, the, the twenty-five pounds, twenty-five pounds, and they were rubbish. Well, they, they did, did the job they until they got the blunt, and the spring broke. So the last build that I made, my my uh, my Gundam X, has a bunch of uh, bits that I had to use the scalpel to kind of like shear off. So every time I snipped something off, as opposed to when I first started using the nippers where it was like, okay, the entire nub is gone on the model kit. I have to now, I snip it and because it's blunt. There's like a tiny bit left. I've got to get the scalpel and like just shimmy it away. Right. Okay. So you could, okay, fine. Maybe I do need or some scalpels. That's fine. Yeah, my scissors that'll... definitely leave a nub. But then I yeah, use the to like kind of like file it down. Yeah. I've got here and yeah. and yeah. the audience. It, can't it see works it, surprisingly my, uh, well. <laughs> my gun plus scalpel, which I use. It is honestly. Oh, yeah, I, like, yeah, I've yeah, got yeah. a couple nice. of new blades. I need to swap the blade of this out actually because it's it's still sharp, but it's not doing the job. I, like I want it to be doing. So yeah, weird gun plus talk over. Um, I've got a few models that I want to build, and the nippers are going to be good. So. Great, good stuff. Nice. Shall we leave it there? Brilliant. Sounds good. Yeah, let's leave it there. We'll uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. If you uh, want to tell us what to watch or what you've been watching or what you think about any of the things we've discussed today, um, whether that's board game cafes, whether that's 
a weird underage un- inappropriate book series um whether that's anime let us know your thoughts and uh we, we we'll get back to you and uh yeah we'll, we'll see you next week i guess um sam anything else bye <laughs> okay bye